equipment or rearrange the stuff in a new way. And so that also comes from, you know, you call it mental energy or, or human ingenuity. So those are two aspects of, I don't know, I think he's trying to say that energy, perhaps. Because why should time, why should there be, okay, I understand there's a marginal time preference. Yeah. Why does it shift? Because people have different... In fact, you could, but you could argue, why, does, why do these two need to be different? Space and time. That's what we experience. That's what we experience. And then someone came along and showed, well, you might think that they're independent. Oh. You know, they're guess in, what? They're not independent. They're not. Sure. Space is a loaded word. Mm. Um, it, 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 another word could have been used. Uh, time is pretty clear because it's you know an hour later, or, you know, so that there's that relationship of uh, what we perceive to be linear you know, time, mm. circular. Like um, space. Could, I mean, another word than space, energy, uh, maybe not, but uh, something that encompasses space and energy could have been used. Mm. You know, that's that's the point I want to make. I mean, it's, it's, there's nothing magical about space. We're not, we're not, what you, when you're talking about the marginal productivity of capital mm. going to uh, shorter or longer projects, or for, you know, um, the actual comparison may not be spatial per se. Yeah. You're right, of course. Yeah. You yes. don't think about so the it. The word space is just, it, yeah. you know, it's, it's not time for that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, you don't think when you're being more productive that you're just being rearranging objects in space, you know. But obviously, that is what you're doing, you know. But whatever that is, <laughs> really. The other thing is, you know, you talked about you want to, or people want to, change the rate of interest. Only high-end philosophers think that way. Most people just see that there's a, an opportunity to gain and lose, and then mm. the invisible hand comes in here. Mm. And all those people clicking their coins and putting in their pocket, that collectively, if you like, I don't like that word too much, but anyway, that's what changes the rate of interest. Mm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you, know, there's a, you have to go through that, and you can step back and see that that's what's actually happening. Yeah. Why, why should I, you know, keep this uh, expensive bond when I can sell it and get gold and so on and so forth? But I don't think anybody's actually thinking. No, no. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Saying. They just think that it's expensive or cheap for their own and then this personal reasons. And always <laughs> yeah. I look at this as you know, arising from stuff. Yeah. This, this pattern emerges. Yeah. The emergent phenomenon. Mm. I think that's the best way of uh, of thinking about it. Um, so there we have it. Is there are there any questions on this or anything else? No. Okay. Well, I think that we'll break. Uh, Andre. Uh, yeah, I have a question about another topic. It's uh, about the bit and the ask, mm. but I think I have a misunderstanding. Um, Keith Wiener wrote a lecture uh, on this and he said that when you buy something that you ask, the ask will arise. Mm. And when you sell something at a bid, the bid will, uh, will be pressed down. Mm. So it's a kind of, kind of that movement. That's not strictly true. I mean, it might. 
if you if you sell at the bid, it might then the bid might fall, um, and if you buy at the offer, the bid the offer might rise after it. But that's only momentarily true, because someone else might come in okay. with a lower offer and a higher bid. Because Keith also said that the arbitrageur, yeah. uh, when he when he appraises at the market the, the bid and ask. They, uh, they will narrow. narrow yeah. yeah. So because he comes in and says that if the spread is five and ten, the market maker will just come in and say, "I will buy at six and sell at nine." So he is narrowing the spread because he has the stock and he has the cash. Do you see what I mean? So that if you want to buy or sell, you'll be doing it at the best price from him, from the market maker. Because if you're buying, you've now got someone who's offering it at a lower price. And if you're selling, you've now got someone who's bidding at a higher price. And if you buy and sell just from the market maker, he makes that profit, the spread, himself for his profit, the difference between six and nine. Okay. Assuming that he buys and sells, not just sells or just buys. But he always buys at the bid and he will buy off you at the bid, yeah. Okay. So the way it works is like this. You know. Don't call it arbitrageur, call it the market maker. Uh, no market maker uh, well let's stick to this way around actually okay so let's say this is five and ten so if you want to sell the stock you have to sell it at five unless you put a, an order to sell it in the middle somewhere and if you want to buy it straight away you have to pay 10. Okay, so no market maker and then with so you have that and then the market maker will say I will buy at 7 and sell at 9. Okay. So you you get why? Why? Uh, because he feels that whatever this stock is is marketable. So he's willing to hold it as well as cash and say I'll make a narrower spread than the people that are making a market otherwise. Okay? And if everybody buys and sells through him, well, he's buying at seven and selling at nine. This is the marginal market maker, right. I should add here. Right. <laughs> Good point. So with okay. market maker, you are always better off than with our phones? Yeah. yeah. Marginal market okay, maker.
a market maker has a four-legged strategy, which means that you can set it off in either in time, utilities, or in other markets, or in cash. And he's probably not alone. He's not alone. So, so you know, when he when he fancies it, let's say he can, you know, he wants to make money. He sells high and buys low. That's what he does. Every time the tick, the tick moves a bit. And if it's persistent yeah. and in yeah, prolonged, then, then he will, that, that spread will close. Yeah, it will never close to zero. Well, sorry? It will never close to zero. No, no. Yeah. I mean, by closing, I mean, narrow. Big narrow. Yeah. yeah, tend to narrowness. Well, what's important also to remember, I guess, uh, in this context is it's not the same person. Yeah, it's, it's not the same role. person. Yeah, it's a role. That will keep the process going. Yeah. It's just it's a, the marginal. It's a role. It's a role. Yeah. It's not the Goldman Sachs yeah. maker. Yeah. It, it's worth remembering that they might even be different people that comprise the marginal market maker. Okay. <laughs> that's not that, and that's taking the theory to the next stage that I'm going to research. You know. But if there are different people comprising the marginal market maker itself, then obviously that is a development further of uh, Menger's. Senator, would you agree there's an analogy here between a warehouseman for goods and a warehouseman for these shares, of course, in a much shorter time frame? Mm. And he's playing the spread, mm. just as the warehouseman is playing the spread, but over a much longer Over a time, yeah. yeah. He, he's only doing this for a day, whereas the warehouseman's doing it for a lot longer, so yeah. It's the same principle playing out. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, does that answer the question, Andre? <coughs> yes. Okay. Uh, any more? Any more questions? About builds? Bonds? How does he hedge? Sorry. Who? The uh, market maker. What if he gets stuck with a bunch of stuff? Well... If he's making, if he's got an inventory of the stock, um, it depends what he keeps his accounts in. <laughs> if his accounts are in units of stock or units of money, you know, it depends what he's trying to maximise. You know, it, I, I imagine it's units of money though, uh, rather than units of uh, units of stock. But um, no, there's no. It's a risk that the stock could go to zero. Yeah. Before that return, you taste that risk. Yeah, you know. So that's why someone will only be willing to make a market in the most marketable goods. Otherwise, you could end up with a, a dead dodo or something. Um, you know, there's no market in market maker in houses. You know, your house is put for sale at the offer. Buyers come and they either bid lower and there's no change or there's no sale or you don't accept it or they come up to your offer or haggle and meet a price in between. There is no one that is willing to buy and sell property from you at any moment. Here's an no, because property is not very marketable <laughs> and it's not homogenous or fungible in any way uh, whatsoever. Yeah. It's completely outside bills and this, but would you care to uh, share with us your, your views or comments on the um, uh, role that um, uh, Goldman Sachs plays today as market maker as they 
claimed in uh, congressional uh, hearings to be their main defense. Yeah. For, yeah. Um, having selling um, uh, stocks to clients or products, and on the other hand, um, you know, shorting them mm. because they had to make a market. And it, it seemed pretty nonsensical and even fraudulent to me, but. Did it make any sense to you, or um, it did? I'm just the trying to write. Of being a market maker, yeah. As well as I get, to my mind, the, the, the problem was that if you're a market maker, that's what you should be, mm. and, and not also a you know a fund manager, mm. or, or if you're an investment banker, you shouldn't be a fund manager. But um, but he, either he was a very good actor, or or or, better, or he really firmly believed yeah. he was expressing his case. Yeah. Because we're a market maker, you know, we, it's, there's nothing wrong in doing that. Is there any comment? There might not be anything wrong in doing it, but, you know, if you're only one of a set of five market makers in it, um, there is conflict of interest. There's too much conflict of interest in it, far too much. You can't sell products and then be... Um, the market maker in that product, the sole market maker. You know, Unilever is not the market maker for Unilever stock. You know, um, and um, yeah, that's a good analogy. I think. You know. <laughs> so the, the issue is exactly that. It's yeah. Yeah, I personally, I think that you have to separate out all of these things. You can't have uh, investment banking, commercial banking, uh, broking, fund management. You can't have it all under one one entity. Um, I mean, commercial to investment banking just means that you're using the deposits, or you could use the deposits of the commercial business in your investment banking business. And I've met a bank or two very big bank or two, um, where the numbers don't quite add up unless you assume that, basically. So, um, yeah, complete conflict of interest. This is Argentinian railroad bonds, you know, which should be 50-year triple C minus bonds, you know, being invested in with demand deposits. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's that kind of potential that kind of potential. Are there any more questions? Because um, after the break, it's going to be question period again. So, um, so what are derivatives then? Uh, derivative is like a promise. You know, it's just something that has its value based on something else. So you can have derivatives of gold, you can have derivatives of derivatives of gold. And you can continue that. And they do. <laughs> <laughs> you could consider bond, uh, you could consider a gold bond a derivative of gold, you know. It's a very broad concept, derivative. But so how do you call, for instance, this bet on next year harvest mm. in some grains or cereals? 
derivative? Would uh, what the futures market? That's a future market. The futures market is a derivative market of the the cash, the 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 real corn market. Yeah, but that is just a definition. Um, a future market is you want to decide the price of delivery now, but delivery of the good is deferred, basically. What, what you just you bet on the production of the year next year of something. You can only bet on the price, not the production. Okay, on the price mm. of something, but you connect it to some date, year from now. Mm. And you like this, and if you guess right, you make money. If mm. not, you lose money. You're a speculator that the market uh, desperately needs to function efficiently. It's. Um, there's nothing wrong with derivatives markets, per se, if you use the broad concept of derivative. But uh, the way that it's used now is, is different. You don't have... These are derivatives of natural phenomenon. Agriculture is a natural phenomenon. But um, to have derivatives on a commanded rate of interest is not a natural phenomenon. And it, um, well, because the commanded rate of interest itself is not a natural phenomenon. So the derivatives market must be over a thousand trillion. Sorry, uh, yeah. Yeah. Quadrillion. Yeah. Quadrillion, yeah. Jeez. How many more numbers do we need? The key point is I think what you were alluding to is because it is constructed on something that's not natural, mm. like commodities. That's a highly regulated market, mm. commodities market, mm. market. But the credit, all the credit derivatives over the counter. Yeah. 80% of that quadrillion is interest rate. Uh, swaps of various kinds and um, it's all on the over-the-counter market or not regulated so that's unusual <laughs> I mean if you're looking, that for, looking at that from outer space you just think that's a bit unusual <laughs> that would be, it was, to me it would seem to be more uh, curious for an alien to look at that see happening than watching us dig holes to get the ground out of the earth in, but digging another hole to put it in a vault, as mm. uh, Buffett said. Yeah, yeah. They, they should find it more interesting that we have 800 uh, <clears throat> trillion or so of notional value on interest rate swap and credit derivatives of all kind. Yeah, Mr. Buffett and Mr. Munger saying that... Um, yeah, it's a barbarous thing to be buying gold. I can't remember what he, he... It was ruder than that. He said it a few months ago, a few quarters ago. Yeah, I uh, would say it was not productive. Yeah, and, yeah. But he also called it 
investing on the equity market. Uh, no, uh, he, he, he classified investments yeah. in three categories: currency based, yeah, productive, mm. non-productive, mm. and all his investments, he, he argued, were not currency based. Mm. Well, I don't know, the share price is in dollars. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think then rather than taking a break and coming back, we'll probably finish early then, I think, if there are no, there are no further questions. Um, well, we could come up with some questions here in the break. Okay. I'm not going to come up with any. Well, okay then, I tell you what, we'll have the 15-minute break and then think of some questions you might have. We'll congregate back in 15 minutes and then call it a day if there are no questions. I think that's, that's fair. Yeah. All right then, thank, thank you. you.